Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hi, Yoshiko. Yoshiko Dart, how are you? You know, I have to start every show sending a greeting to our disability leader. Um, You know, we love you. We all love you, Yoshiko. And, you know, you hear me say this every week, but here I go again. Ireland. Ireland is rocking it. We have such a good listening audience in Ireland. You guys are so awesome and so dedicated to quality of life for people living with disabilities. I always say, you know, I'm living with epilepsy, and no matter where you live in the world, a seizure is a seizure. Thank you so much. Keep spreading the news in Ireland. You know, I am so honored. I've represented our country as an expert on the employment of people with disabilities. I've been to several countries. I've been to Indonesia. I've been to Japan, uh, Kazakhstan, you know, really all around, all around the world, South Korea twice. And People with disabilities, they all have the same thing in common. They want to work. No matter where you live in the world, people with disabilities want to work. Uh, And that is my dream also. Highmark is our lead sponsor of this radio show and has been for several years so appreciative, is such a great company, so dedicated to the lives of people living with disabilities. And this past year, we've had another <coughs> sponsor come on board, uh, AudioEye, and we appreciate your support also for everything that you're doing. So here we go. I have such a great guest today. You know, the more I read about Benetech, the more excited I was to have Jim on the show. So uh, Jim is the founder and CEO of Benetech, and I'm going to have him talk about that in a moment, but for all of our listeners around the world, I'll bet you're familiar absolutely with Bookshare. So first, Jim, welcome to the show. Um, and then Thank I you. thought we could begin with you telling our listeners how Bookshare came into existence. I'd be delighted to. Well, it turned out that I, I came home one day and there was a new icon on our home computer. And I yelled at my kids. I said, you're not supposed to install software from the Internet. I said, oh, no, it's not from the Internet. It's from the lady on the corner. And, you know, her son and my son were friends. Anyway, uh, and I said, well, what? what What's the software? What, what company is she the CEO of? And she said, oh, it's called Napster. And I had never heard of Napster, but after an hour of hearing music with my son and swapping downloads, I thought, this is great technology. Um, and I said, well, how much will it cost? And he said, oh, it'll be free, free, free. And I'm like, well, in the beta period. He's like, no, forever. I'm like, ah, this is so illegal. But it's so cool. And then the idea came to me. What if instead of swapping music tracks, uh, people with disabilities could be swapping the books that they scanned. 
because at the time we were probably the our nonprofit was probably the leading maker of reading machines for people who are blind or have learning disabilities like dyslexia. And the idea was instead of instead of the same book being scanned by thousands of different people with disabilities for their own use, what if you could scan the book once, proofread it, so it was even better, and then everybody in the community would have access to it. And so that's how Bookshare got started. Is it was actually inspired by Napster, um, but then we uh, we did enough legal research to find out that there was a copyright exception that made it legal in the U.S. And that's how that's how it got going. Wow! And and how large is Bookshare? So we have over uh, six hundred thousand books in uh, for oh. readers in the U.S. and over six hundred thousand users. Um, wow! You can think of Bookshare as kind of like. Kindle for the blind and dyslexic community. So the idea is, in the United States, any student who has a disability that gets in the way of reading print can say, I need this book for school or because I want to read it. And if we don't already have it in our 600,000 plus books, we can go get, you know, we'll get a hard copy from from Amazon. Uh, We'll chop the binding off. We'll scan it. We'll proofread it. And then it'll be available in a in an accessible format, whatever accessible format that student needs. And, of course, once one student gets the book into the Bookshare library, then no other student has to ask for it because it's there, you know, for downloading in 30 seconds from the moment you thought of wanting to read it. Now, here's a question I have. For listeners anywhere in the world who are people who are blind or very, very low vision or a person with dyslexia, if they've never heard about this before, where do they go to access Bookshare? So they go to the website, which is uh, www.bookshare.org. And, um, and anyone in the world with a disability that gets in the way of reading print, so a vision impairment, a learning disability that affects reading, or a physical disability that affects holding a book or turning a page or focusing on a book, um, any of those people can sign up and uh, in I think just about every country in the world, we have already 400,000 books in English available, and we're busy expanding all over the world thanks to this wonderful new treaty that's, uh, that's spreading around the world called the Marrakesh Treaty that makes copyright exceptions for people with disabilities a global norm. And so, uh, so we're doing, you know, in India, we're doing, I don't know, six or seven different languages right now, and, and we'll, we're the national library in Canada, or at least we're one of the options, UK. Uh, and we'll be in, I think, five additional South Asian countries in the next uh, uh, few months. So, so I think you know, our vision, of course, is a global library that has the books in, that people want to read in the language they want to read. Um, and, uh, and the whole idea of Bookshare wasn't that we were going to do this for the blind and people with disabilities. We we're going to provide a place on the Internet where they could share the books that they wanted and solve this problem as a community. And it, it's working. <laughs> Now, how is that connected to Benetech? So Benetech is Silicon Valley's deliberately nonprofit tech company. So we're organized as a charity, but we're 75 people. We're a software company. We write software, and we get to work on the kind of problems that are really important, but not necessarily all that lucrative. So because uh, as a nonprofit, all we have to do is break even. So um, you know, we've been in the disability field now for almost 30 years, um, making reading machines, writing, uh, obviously, Bookshare, working on accessibility of math and science materials, working on the rights of people with disabilities, uh, working on employment of people with disabilities. Uh, but we're also working in the human rights field, the environmental field, 
uh, the health and human services field, the safety net field. But in all cases, we're not the human rights activist. Um, we're not the educator. We're the tech toolmaker that is making all those people more powerful. That's our, that's our goal is to do what Silicon Valley does for rich and business people, uh, do it for everybody who might need the benefits of technology. And um, I, I was very impressed with Benetech. I mean, I just love the work you are doing. I think it is so innovative, so progressive, and will be so meaningful to so many people disadvantaged and, of course, people living with disabilities because your work, I love it, is social justice using technology. Mm -hmm. Um, So first, how does this work? And second, once you find the data... How does that then, in fact, become policy? So, so the way it generally works today is somebody from a nonprofit or social good field could be um, a, a leader of one of the major organizations in the field, whether it's a consumer organization or, or a nonprofit service organization, could be a policymaker, could be um, you know, the biggest NGO, could be the biggest funder. Um, they come to us and they say, if Silicon Valley cared, they would build this for us. You know, we're, we're the child protection field, and we want to help prevent kids from being abused, and we need better software for tracking cases. So we, we basically get given a problem that, to a Silicon Valley tech person, makes sense. We look around and see if someone else has already solved the problem, because if you're, someone else already has, then there's no need for a nonprofit to get involved. But in, in so many social good fields, you know, the technology exists. It just hasn't been applied to this social good. So we, we call it, you know, building the last social mile. Um, so, so what happens is then we build the product or maybe make the standard or um, get a whole bunch of organizations to cooperate together. And then when the technology starts taking hold, um, you get the kind of benefits that people expect from technology. Maybe things like, like for example, books for, for blind people, you know, it, they co- it costs one-fiftieth of what it used to cost 15 years ago when we got started because the modern technology of e-books and Internet delivery just make it that much more powerful. So now we can solve the problem, at least in the United States and hopefully the rest of the world, of getting people access to the information. Now, when you actually do a, a technology solution, you gather a lot of data. You gather a lot of knowledge. Um, and, of course, most of Silicon Valley uses that to sell more advertising, um, but we're doing it to help inform social good. So uh, we, we love kind of being presented with a problem saying, hey, we want to, um, you know, increase, um, you know, educational outcomes, increase employment outcomes, decrease deaths from this disease, whatever the, whatever the big, hairy, audacious goal that a field sets for itself, um, we would like to think that the software and data that we help build helps them on their way collect data about what's working um, and so that they do more of what works and less of what doesn't work. And that gives us a, a perch to influence policy. And so um, though I wouldn't say that we're a lobbying organization or even a policy organization, we get dragged into policy issues all the time. So I've been on each of the three major federal uh, disability policy um, advisory committees that have happened in the last 25 years in the U.S., uh, the Committee on Telecom, the Committee on Web Accessibility, Committee on uh, Students with Disabilities in Higher Education, um, as sort of a nerd, a geek, who 
knows a lot about people with disabilities and knows a lot about the tech business and can help people move ahead in policies that accomplish whatever the social goal is. And probably my, 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 you know, my favorite achievement is actually working on the Marrakesh Treaty, right? It's, it's, a, it's a treaty for people with disabilities. It went through the UN system incredibly quickly by UN standards, which meant about five years from conception to negotiation. And, um, and now the treaty's been enacted by over 40 countries. The EU, it goes into effect at the end of this year, so the whole European Union. And the United States Senate has ratified the treaty, and we're hoping that this week the House of Representatives uh, approves the enabling legislation that changes to copyright law that are even more favorable to people with disabilities. And then you know, it'll be possible that this policy of a copyright exception could actually help enable a world in which any person with a disability that can't read a print book can get a book in a form that works for them for education, employment, social inclusion, all the things that people without disabilities use books for. Awesome. Wow, you know what? That is so exciting. So I love this using technology, Jim. I really love it. Um, And we're going to talk more about it, but right now we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Jim at Benetech, the founder and CEO. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jim. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training in technology accessibility through their high I test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Jim Fruchterman, and he is the founder and CEO of Benetech. And I'm so excited to have him with us. We've been talking about how Jim and Benetech work with technology and social justice. And I know, for example, I I have been reading, Jim, what you do, Mm -hmm. and I read about the great work you do in uh, Uganda, and I do a lot with them Mm -hmm. with supporting children uh, through voice, uh, through uh, World Vision, sorry. And I know they have so much, so many problems there. Would you mind talking about that for our listeners 
uh, and how that came to be. So one of Benetech's major area of work is human rights. And our major job is to help ensure that information is used to advance human rights, whether that's in a prosecution or a truth commission or getting the word out about a pattern of, of abuse. And so, uh, so we've worked all over the world, um, and we wrote software uh, called MARTIS. It was basically um, the software for collecting human rights violation testimony. And we've been doing that for about 15 years. And so um, one of the places that we worked was to work with the LGBT community in, in Uganda and Africa um, around helping them gather reports about uh, human rights violations, abuses experienced by that community. And so we, we worked with the, uh, with the community and, uh, and uh, did that for several years. And now the community is sort of off and, you know, doing more and more of its work. We've then expanded into other areas. So we did um, uh, a big report um, with our partners. Our partners did the report. We supplied the technology on police brutality against um, people in the LGBT community in Malawi, the first ever report, and the police leadership on the national level decided to change policy so that they didn't abuse um, Malawians uh, who happen to be LGBT. And right now our biggest project is, is that we're working on the Syrian civil conflict, supporting the UN, and helping them uh, build cases against uh, people who've committed war crimes in Syria. So, uh, so if there's a large-scale human rights abuse, the odds that we're supplying technology to the activists and the, and the UN and the people who are working on advancing reconciliation and justice are quite high. You know what, that thing with the LGBT community, oh my God, that is so great because as I travel around the world, there is brutality in that area. So that is really awesome, Jim, that you're doing well, that. Well, thank you. So that that's one area. And, 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 and I'm the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just no, going to no. say, and the other thing that is that having worked with the LGBT community, we realized that, that many of the things that we learned are applicable to people with disabilities. So even though we've, for many years, developed technology to help people um, with disabilities in learning and work, um, we actually now are starting up a human rights program for people with disabilities to collect information about how people with disabilities are experiencing abuses. So that's something that's going to be very big, and you'll, you should see a bunch of announcements from us in the coming months on that. Oh, great. I, why I said that is, you know, when I travel <clears throat> around the world, talk about abuse. I mean, there are some countries where... You know, people from the LGBT community, they wouldn't even say, they wouldn't even let it be known, you know, because of fear of what would happen to them. So, you know, I think that is absolutely fabulous that you're doing that. Um, so I saw when I looked at your website that you work in many areas, including environmental. So, so what are the other areas in addition to human rights that you work in? So um, we wrote project management software for the environmental community, so kind of the same kind of technology you'd have for doing work in the construction area to manage construction projects. We did that for environmental projects, and 90-plus percent of the people who who, basically manage projects did it around the world, not inside the United States. Um, Right now we're doing um, some new work in the area of 
uh, the safety net. So, so basically helping nonprofits and the health system uh, deliver services to people in need covers a broad range of things. We're, we're piloting it in the San Francisco Bay Area right now. But the goal, of course, is that if you write the software for one area, it tends to have global application. Um, we're doing software so that people can do math equations online to show their work online, uh, really key for doing math education. Of course, it also makes uh, it more accessible for students with disabilities. Um, and, that's, and then we have, you know, at any one point in time, another five or ten conversations with different groups on how we can help them uh, with technology. And uh, so that's what keeps our, our job fun and exciting is there's always some new juicy social problem where, you know, the market's going to fail and, and maybe we can help this field you know, do more with less money or do more with the same amount of money or, or deliver a breakthrough around social justice and, and social impact. Well, have you seen progress in that area? You know, I think, I, I believe that we see over a, certainly a 30-year period steady progress in these areas, but, but you know, um, these are long battles, right? We're talking about changing human behavior. We're talking about changing society. So even though, let's, let's pick an example we both know well, the Americans with Disabilities Act. I mean, it, it was, you know, 1990. It was amazing at the time. It has had change. But let's just say the job is not done yet. And so, um, so I think our visualization is we want to keep moving society from one sort of unjust you know, sort of equilibrium, and then like move it up to a more just equilibrium. And when we get there, we can see what the next mountain to climb is, as it were. And so, so this is all about progressively realizing the rights of human beings, whether that's to education or employment or being included in society. And, uh, you know, once, once you take a big bite out of one problem, other ones will be right there to work on. Yes. You know, Jim, when you mentioned that about the Americans with Disabilities Act, so many great things happen from that, such as, uh, you know, access, curb cuts, uh, you know, uh, braille on elevators, video relay, so many great things. But the needle has still not moved on employment. And soon, the year after next, will be the 30th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. And I'm hoping we, we see something happen. Maybe 503 of the Rehab Act, now that they've announced there will be reviews, something will happen to see a big increase uh, because it was signed by President Nixon. Affirmative action for people with disabilities, and here we are. You know, it has not been enforced yet. Just seems like people with disabilities are always at the bottom. It's so irritating to me, uh, but you're right. We still have a ways to go. And you know, we try to keep everyone up to date on what's happening in the world of disability. Um, and Perry Jude Radisig, who is the CEO of Pennsylvania Disability Rights, let me tell you, she is just so awesome. And so we have a little update every show on the half hour called Advocacy Matters. And Perry, we have you with us. What's going on? Well, Joyce, earlier in September, we talked uh, about Hurricane Florence. 
and how that hurricane would be a test of our advocacy as well as a test of emergency preparedness, planning policies and practices that have been in place for people with disabilities. And we had estimated that maybe 2.5, and now we know over 4 million people with disabilities were in the path of that storm. Thank goodness for uh, Mar- Marcy Roth and organizations like Court Light Strategies and the Partnership for Inclusive Disaster Strategies, where they went into action and set up their own disaster hotline response teams and stakeholder coordination and because equal access to emergency services programs were not always available in the states that were impacted by Hurricane Florence. In fact, if people who are listening to this show right now still need support and services, please call their hotline. And Joyce, I'm going to give that phone number. It's 800 626 And we talk about the Americans with Disabilities Act and and 504, and and we still have problems, even with the federal government and state and local agencies, providing equal access uh, in disasters, even though we work so hard. So here's what we know. Information from these organizations indicated that individuals were not always served in the most integrated settings according to their needs. We had people with disabilities separated from their families. They were sent to what was called special needs shelters, not for medical care, just to power their medical devices. And some of those shelters didn't have accessible toilets, showers, or even qualified staff to provide support, despite decades of work in this area. If you go to our website at disabilityrightspa.org, you can find information about Port Light Strategies, the Partnership for Inclusive Disaster Strategies. What's happening? There's also an article uh, we've linked to. You may have heard the news about the death of Wendy Newton and Nicolette Green. These women died needlessly. during the flooding while being transported in a sheriff's van. The two sheriff's officers were rescued from the top of the van. However, the women who had been involuntarily committed because of their mental illness died in the van. And there's an investigation that's underway. And the sheriff's employees are Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, how did they die? Yes, yeah, go ahead. How did they die, Perry? I mean, we have no idea why. The van got flooded. The van flooded. Oh, and they were... Oh. Yes. The sheriff's employees left the van, got on top of the van, left the women in the van. Oh, my God. Horrific. It's horrific. So there's an investigation underway. Perry, uh, let's, Perry Jude, let's yeah. just go back one moment. Sure. You're saying that this story about the shelter, some of them not having yeah. accessible bathrooms, but just being sent there to power a wheelchair or whatever, not That's for any correct. other reason, such as if they needed medical help. I mean, th- this no. is terrible. You know, did they not yeah. have training in this area or planning? 
what was the problem? Well, remember earlier, oh my gosh, maybe it was a month or so ago, we talked a, a show, we talked about FEMA cutting back on the number of specialists in disability emergency preparedness that were being sent into disaster areas. I think from like 40, 30 or 40 down to five. That might have something to do with it. And what can People we do about it? Being prepared. Yeah, what can we do, Perry? Well, I, I think what we can do is uh, write to our members of Congress and let them know that this is not acceptable. And that, uh, and there's a Center for Medicare and Medicaid right now want to uh, roll back emergency preparedness regulation for nursing home providers. I have that up on our website as well. It's there right now. And we have to let the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid know that that's not okay. So, you know, check out our website. Write to members of Congress. Tell them it's not okay. FEMA has got to restore the number of disability specialists and emergency preparedness that go down to these uh, disaster areas. And our state, as local activists, we have to make sure our communities are prepared when disaster strikes, period. We have to be involved. We have to be. Uh, Perry, uh, what website again? Yeah, go to disabilityrightspa.org. You find all of this information, including an article about the two women Wendy Newton and Nicholas Green, who died in the sheriff's van. Okay, Disability Rights, Pennsylvania. P-A, yep, P-A. PA.org. PA.org. And by the way, I'm so honored to be on this uh, board. Uh, Perry Jude is just a national treasure. And you know what, Perry Jude, I, I really appreciate you keeping us informed about all this because it's so important. So thank you so much for this incredible, although sad, but, you know, we need to know. We need to go to that website. We need to, you know, write to our Congress people. And you listening to the show, you need to make a donation to this organization. So, Perry Jude, thank you, and we will look forward to your next call. Hey, thanks, Joyce, and uh, great guest. Thank you. There you go, Jim, another uh, another human rights issue. Well, but it comes to the core. The core access, the, the core asset that human rights groups have is the stories of suffering that their community have experienced. And we just heard about the two women who died in the van, right? If you, you tell those stories, you honor the memory of those people, and you commit to making a difference as a result of, of what happened to them. And that's, you know, we want to make sure those stories get captured, don't get lost, and then get used for advocacy, either as individual stories or as statistics and data that show patterns of abuses that need a policy remedy. So that's, that's a microcosm of, of the work of social justice activists. Right. Oh, that's so horrible. So horrible, so horrifying. Uh, and, and if you're listening to the show, you've got to go to that website and you've got to send a letter to your uh, congressman or woman, you know, because, hey, it's A, wrong, and B, this could be you or a family member. Uh, I mean, imagine the horror of that is just unbelievable. Uh, 
And that's why, Jim, I'm glad we have people like you who are doing this work. And I know, just as you told us about this example, I'm sure you have uh, an example you could share with us of one of your most memorable success stories. Well, well, thank you, Joyce. I think, I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, for every success story, there's a whole lot of failure stories. <laughs> uh, and so I want to acknowledge that this, people shouldn't get the idea that, you know, it's like, you know, batting a thousand. Um, so, um, so, but, but I, I, think, I think that one of our, our most amazing sort of breakthroughs was, um, was with Bookshare. Um, we were, you know, funded by the community and private philanthropists. And the money in the field was always earmarked to, you know, very traditional nonprofit organizations that serve people with disabilities. And one year, about 10 years ago, um, an earmark didn't get made, and they ran a competition to provide books to people with disabilities. And as a novice bidder, we applied, and we'd say, we said we'd do five times more for half as much money as was being spent. And... Uh, and we won basically the national contract to promise free accessible books to every student in the country. Um, and it was highly controversial at the time because we were using ebook technology instead of human narrated audio. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of pressure on Congress and, and, we, and people said, well, you know, can you actually do it? And we, we knew the technology and the community was going to be able to pull it off. And so, so for us, that was... That was the breakthrough, and I think it's that it's that national award that that is made Bookshare into a success across the country, and now is going to enable us to to solve this problem worldwide. Because the the great thing about technology is, you know, to serve ten times more people does not cost twice as much, or even twenty percent more. Um, and so it's that power of technology to solve a problem for less money than we've been spending as a society. So, and I think there's a lot of those opportunities out there. So, but that's, but, but bringing, bringing Bookshare nationwide um, and going from 10,000 readers to 600,000 readers in the last 10 years has been, been a big breakthrough for us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is really, that is just awesome. So how about your, you know, I can tell just as you said, you've had great successes, but, as you mentioned earlier, such as with the ADA, we still have a long way to go. So for you, what, what is your goal for the future? Well, I want to bring this, this sort of Benetech-style approach to a lot more fields, right? And so, um, and one way of doing that is helping other people start their own tech for good nonprofit organizations, and we're really supportive of that. Um, you know, we're, we're getting involved in more areas, um, and I think um, something that we're hoping to release next month is a major report on how the tech community could help people with disabilities get more jobs or remove barriers. Um, so, so that's a new area for us. Um, but, uh, you know, I hear every week from a new field about something that they wish we'd develop, and so um, I think you should just expect to see us uh, coming up with a steady stream of new ideas for how technology can help humanity. Yeah, and you mentioned that you are a not-for-profit, Jim. How how do you fund Benetech? So about 
80% of our budget comes from revenue. So, for example, the national contract to deliver books with people with disabilities looks like revenue. We're, you know, we bid on it. We're, our customers, the U.S. Department of Education, we talk to them every week or more frequently. Um, and then the last 20% comes from individual donors, uh, tech donors, companies, um, foundations are huge. And they tend to be really important for getting um, new projects off the ground before, you know, they have any way of, of generating revenue. And it also does depend on the field, right? I mean, the U.S. and Europe actually spends a fair amount of money on disability services and education. And you can expect that 99% of our budget will come from those countries, even if maybe the majority of people 10 years from now that we serve are outside the U.S., we can we can do that with uh, with technology, um, but yeah, it's it's and, and then you know the human rights field is an example of a field where there's really not that much money, and so almost all the money comes from our donors, whether those are human rights foundations or the State Department or European um, donors. But it's we have that kind of blend, but but most of our money comes from you know, delivering a service, just a product that a for-profit company probably wouldn't have bothered making. So. Um, a can so a, an individual donor can make a contribution. Absolutely, yes. As a matter of fact, um, you know we have quite a number of people who, uh, for example, I, I know one one donor likes to read trashy books, <laughs> <laughs> and she she and, and and you know and most of our money is for educational work, right? I mean, we can't do you know romance novels using Department of Ed money. So, so she sends us a donation every year just to fund the scanning of trashy books like the ones that she likes because that's a quality, right? Surprise, people with disabilities want to read the same range of books that people without disabilities do. So, so that's probably one of our, our big areas. And, and of course, um, uh, it helps us expand into these other countries because you know, we're, we're going to be doing free library services in five South Asian countries. And right now we don't have any money for it. But we're, we're going to do it anyway and find the money for it. Well, um, how, do you make a don- how do you make a contribution? You just go to the Benetech.org website. So Benetech is short for beneficial technology. Um, so it's B-N-E-T-E-C-H dot O-R-G. And donations are tax deductible in the United States. There's a you know, donate now button on the, on the website. And uh, if people want to donate to Benetech Core or our Disability Work or Bookshare, you know, all every every dollar makes a difference. And of course, you know, if we can if we can add a new book to our collection for like under fifty dollars for a novel, um, and of course, you know, once that novel is scanned, then you know, hundreds of thousands of people have access to it. Well, I hope if you're listening, you will make a donation. I mean, I I just you know I have always thought Bookshare alone was just the most fabulous uh, offering. And, you know, I know so many people who are blind that use Bookshare and tell me about it. So, you know, if you're listening to the show, I hope you will make a contribution. So, Jim, I'm thinking about you. And, uh, you know, as I told you, the more I read about you, the more impressed I became for what you're doing for the world. So someone had to have an impact on you uh, in your life. Uh, you had to have a role model either now or in the past. 
whatever or whomever it is, who is your role model? Oh, wow. I've, I've had, I mean, I think I'm like a lot of people. I had great teachers as a kid who taught me to be excited about science and math, and that got me on the nerd direction. Um, in the disability field, my role model is George Kirscher. Um, he's the guy who came up with the idea of using ebooks for blind people as a brilliant technologist. And, uh, and when we created Bookshare, uh, we called up George and he said, oh, here's, here, I invented the DAISY format and it works perfectly for you guys. Um, so, so, and, then, uh, and then lastly, as a social leader, um, uh, Charles King, who's the head of Housing Works in New York City, who's a very famous social enterprise leader, and he's the one who kind of taught me how to, how to lead a larger social movement. And so, um, so he's a great role model. But those are just you know, sort of three different groups of people who've helped me on my way and given me, I don't know, a goose in the backside to, uh, to do more with technology for good. So when you were a young man, did you ever, uh, high school, college, did you ever envision you would be doing this? No, no. I wanted to become a, a scientist um, or, a, uh, or an astronaut. Um, and, uh, and I went to Caltech, which is kind of, you know, where nerds went to school. Um, but I think that um, when I discovered the ability to do sort of social good with technology, I remember I told my wife I'd do it for a year, and that was 30 years ago. It was obviously what I should be doing. And, it, I mean, it was a field that didn't exist then, but, but when our venture capitalists and my first startup, you know, vetoed a project to help disabled people, I said, well, what if I just do it anyway? <laughs> and that just felt right. So um, it's not as lucrative as working in Silicon Valley, starting more companies, but it's a heck of a lot more fun and rewarding. Right. And thank goodness you made that decision. And I'm sure, like me, uh, that you feel as if you're on a crusade. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah, I, think, I feel um, like I'm on a crusade. In your case, it would be for social justice and, of course, you know, helping people with disabilities because once you have dedicated your life to this, it's hard to, like, not think about it all the time and always think how you want to help another person. I'm sure you feel like that also. And I, I think that more tech people want to do things that make a difference and people keep telling them that the only thing that matters is making money or, you know, or placing more advertising. And it's just not the case, right? I mean, we're human beings. We're out here to help other human beings and if you're from the technology field, you know, you should go ahead and do something that helps a lot of people, even if it doesn't make investors a ton of money. And I have that freedom, and I know a whole bunch of other people, you know, would enjoy having that kind of freedom. And I, see a, I do see a change. I see hundreds of people starting nonprofits that do technology for good, and I think that's, that's a great trend because we need far more. Yes, I love that Natalie Grant song, Human, because it says, I'm human, you're human, we're all humans, and you only get one chance to make a difference, and how true that is. Uh, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, 
at voiceamerica.com. This is Joyce Bender talking to Jim Frookman at Benetech. Benetech, and I guess I'd call him a social justice advocate. We'll be right back, and then we'll close the show. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. You know, we've been talking today to Jim Fruchterman, and I want to tell you, he is the not only the CEO and founder of Benetech, uh, and, of course, works with Bookshare, has that, but he is just really a great social advocate, and I hope that you will consider going to Benetech.org and making a contribution. You know, I always say we all want to see people help people. You know, you'll hear people say, oh, I wish they'd do more to help us in whatever area. And there's only one thing. It takes money to do that. So I hope you will take time to make a contribution. And, Jim, uh, I have to say I've really enjoyed having you as a guest today. Thank you very much. It's, it's a blast to kind of spread the word about technology doing social good as opposed to just making money. Yes, I, I I agree, and I so love that so much. And, oh, yes, remember, you can go to iTunes, my website, uh, Voice America. All these shows are archived. So if there's anyone you know and you want to tell them about Benetech or Bookshare, make sure you go back and listen to this show. So, you know, Jim, as I said, I've read so much about you, and you have already accomplished so much in your life. Uh, what what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, I think I think it's building Benetech as an organization that shows what Silicon Valley, what the tech community can do when it prioritizes social good over profit. You know, we're we consider ourselves a very open source organization. We're happy to share what we do. We we write open source software. We write you know, openly licensed, you know, content. It's, it's basically we want people to go out and do more of this kind of social good. And I, I think that, um, 
you know, especially these days when there's been a lot of pressure put on some Silicon Valley tech leaders, I think that, you know, we should expect more from them and more about what's good for society and not just what makes people immensely rich. And so I think Benetech is an example of that, and I'm hoping that there'll be lots more. Yeah, you know, oh, and I so agree with you. I do. Uh, And I also agree to uh, hold their feet to the fire, so to speak. But one thing I wanted to ask you, when you talk about this to people, are they surprised when you talk about, you know, technology being used for social justice? Does that surprise people when you explain that to them? Yeah, because it it doesn't fit their their vision of all these greedy people um, in the tech community that exist only to make money. And believe me, there are some people like that running around here. Uh, uh, but um, but I think people are really surprised. I mean, when I go to a tech company and I say, please give me a free license to your crown jewels, to your intellectual property, your software, your content, whatever it is, your technology, they say yes 80% of the time. And people are surprised at that. And they say, those, those greedy so-and-sos? I'm like, no, they're, they're really proud of what they've created, and they're probably generally frustrated that it doesn't reach the people who need it most because they generally are the least able to afford it. And so if I go to them and say, look, I won't interfere with your main business, but I'll take your technology and I'll bring it to Africa or bring it to people with disabilities or I'll apply it to the environment, people are like, here, you know, have, have, have what we've created. And so, so it's really rare for Benetech to actually create any of the technology that we're using. We're borrowing it basically for free from the people who did create it, whether that's the open source community or tech companies or you know, other, other, you know, for profits. And, and what do they think when you tell them what you're doing? Well, again, they're, I think they're filled with pride I think that from, and from a business standpoint, you know, the people who work for these companies, they get a little tired working on something like advertising, right? Um, and so um, you know, the idea is that the technology they've helped create helps kids with disabilities learn to read. You know, that makes someone who makes you know, the iPhone or the iPad really proud, right? It's not just a device for for doing telephone calls. It also has all these other capabilities. And so I like, I like to highlight these different, these different positive aspects. And sometimes the company wants good PR because, um, frankly, many of these companies could use some more good PR. Um, but it's also to, I think, give the employees that create this technology some satisfaction that, you know, I mean, I remember um, when we, we started, right, we were making reading machines for blind people based on the Hewlett-Packard scanner. And, the people who made HP scanners, I mean, you talk to them about what people use scanners for, and they would say, blind people read with our scanners. That was, that was a source of immense pride to that group in Greeley, Colorado, which is where they were based. Uh, even if we only represented 1% of their sales, it was certainly the thing you were going to hear about. Um, and, you know, I just, I want, you know, my breakthrough was when my venture capitalist vetoed this project to help disabled people, and I decided that I could do it anyway and they said, well, as long as you do it separately from the company and don't, don't distract the company from making money, here, here's our technology pretty much for free. It's, 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 it, it, it just, it's a new way of looking at things. And because all this technology is kind of free at the margin, um, you can do an amazing thing. You can do amazing things with it. You can get it to, to millions or billions of people. Yeah. 
Right, and uh, and for people with disabilities, that is so important. So, Jim, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Seriously, it's the it's to expect more from the technology community, right? We we have the benefit of being able to innovate and create all this technology and become really wealthy, um, but I think that um, we shouldn't get away with um, impoverishing most of society. Um, I think we shouldn't get away with using, let's say, artificial intelligence to discriminate against people with disabilities or other minorities, which I think is the default setting of a lot of this new technology. So I think it's, you know, just expect more. Challenge this community to be fully engaged in realizing whether you call it the American dream or compliance with, you know, human rights but there's just this. This is the most technology. Technology is the most powerful tool that humankind has come up with, and uh, it deserves to be in the hands of not just the wealthiest one or five percent, or the most able one or five percent. No, I, I so you're. I so agree with everything you're saying. Um, and, you know, we're going to follow you uh, and continue to watch the great work you're doing. And I want to commend you and as a person living with epilepsy in behalf of all people with disabilities, thank you so much for what you're doing. We're honored to serve uh, here at Benetech um, and help people realize their dreams because we're just the tool makers. It's what people do with the tools. That's the real social change. Well, today we end, as you know, every show with a quote. um, And I love this quote, and it just seems so appropriate for what we're talking about. And it is, life's most important question is, what are you doing for others? Said Martin Luther King, Jr. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Hey, I look forward to talking to you next week with my guest, Gerald Homey, Jenny Miller, and Jayla talking about the prestigious Sam Miller Award. See you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.